We're going live again. I think we got this figured out now. So I'm going to work it a little bit and see what happens with all you guys. Boom. Welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Sniper's Hide. And I'm here with Chris Way. And we're getting ready to go live on Sniper's Hide at the same time. I think I finally got my system figured out and how to do this all together. So uh, as I get ready to go, we are just going to start these events and we're going to go from there. So I just hit play on that one and now I'm going to hit play on the other one and then we're going to go from there. All right, that one's up and now let's start this guy. We are starting this stream. Success. There we go. So we're live. Hey, Chris, we welcome to this what's going stream. to that. Oh, oh, I got to make sure uh -oh. I don't. Oh, I went offline. Why? Maybe it didn't like it. Oh, <sighs> uh, what did it do? It just something didn't like it. We're there. Live. We're live. Uh, live offline, huh? Oh, maybe now it's back. Something oh, right. <laughs> All right. Live. It just is a hiccup. Uh, you know what? There's a signal hiccup. It, see how we're kind of um faded a little? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's now it's back. The connection right. between we had yeah we had a bad connection it's almost you know, like i said my board i think i gotta replace this board let me mute this is what they use on the just it's almost like i said my board no it's that this board because now we're getting a feedback there how's that i'm mute my computer on that i think that's better all right now i don't have the feedback loop going on all right take us a minute yep all right so we're in and we don't have the feedback loop happening. So th that's going. All right. So I just had a little feedback loop. It's weird because I want to set this up and do these things and have it so it's like go push the button. But like every time I do it, I find there's a new setting that has to get changed that it doesn't like. Well, mainly because we are podcasting and live streaming all at the same time. And I'm using uh, one set of all this data to go through and to say, hey. You know, this is what we're doing. Yeah, but all those little things make a difference when we kind of expand it. So it's, it's, I mean, every time we find a bug, it's totally worth it. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. totally. We The bugs are, are definitely worth um, finding out. Uh, I wonder if the, let me check this, make sure that went up. So check this out, guys. Uh, f f this is a, a bullet seeker, and this is a Doppler device, not a firearm. So, so um, it's just a little Doppler Pretty sure it's a Doppler. Yeah, it's a and, Doppler. Like um, that's like a little mini lab radar type of deal. Right, like the same thing that people measure ball speeds and speeding traffic and stuff. But there's a there's a this is a really right stuff Arca clamp, and somebody made a device that mounts this better so that it can be mounted to an Arca rail. And so Frank was showing this to me, and um, you know, let's say here's a little device, a uh, 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 section of an Arca rail. You could mount this on whatever had an arc or rail, right? Um, and you could adjust it so that it was fixed to whatever you fixed it to. In this case, we use it for, for firearms, and this would be used for getting speed. So instead of a magneto speed or a lab radar, you've got a fixed device that can monitor the speed of every shot without having a point of impact shift. It's not cumbersome. It doesn't have... You know, I understand that there's huge bayonets that people have on their rifles, but that could be hard if you're moving it in portholes and stuff. This, we have used this device in the field, and it gives perfect 
and consistent yeah, measurements. Now they upgraded it, you know, caveat user, the bullet seekers now changed to like speed tracker and some people did have a hit or miss. My unit works pretty good. It's one of the first early units. And what it did and what Chris is explaining is it came with an arms mount, just a pick rail mount or like a little piece of plastic a Y that went over your barrel and you were really just supposed to like rubber band it to your barrel if you wanted to. But what I with the with the M lock, you could basically put an M lock on the side of your rifle if you have a um, MDT or something. However, a lot of us are running Arca, mm-hmm. and so this upgraded really right stuff gives you the option of a pick rail or the Arca, which is what most of us are doing. Now I'm getting ready to do a video on the TRG, and you'll see in the video and on the TRG. I did like a 45-degree mount with a uh, M-lock rail. I put the bullet seeker on it, and I was able to dope my rifle out the entire time uh, using the bullet seeker, and then it was it was flawless from there, and I was able to pick up numbers. And you can shoot normally. Now, the other thing I'll go on is night vision bridges work really good with the bullet seeker. It just makes your... A picture look really subdued so your picture is going to look like you have sunglasses on but i'm a bullet seeker fan chris has the andy scan and you know we're just looking at other types of doppler stuff today yeah the andy scan i've experimented with multiple units and it gives amazing readings like like this does uh the mount system isn't good so i imagine that there'll be people coming out with third-party mounting systems but but just like this Having something fixed to your rifle where instead of, oh, I need to go get speed, rather you get accustomed to the idea that when you shoot a competition, when you hunt, when you train, you've got speed for all of the shots that you take. So now you're not saying, well, here's my five-shot average, 10-shot average. You could have average for the whole the whole barrel, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And you could say, oh, when it's 90 degrees out, it's this. When it's 80, I mean, you're literally just doing that. And like, like Frank had said... Um, and then last night I spoke with, with Ray Helms from the X-Ring channel, and he said uh, similar things with the rimfire that they're noticing is that when they're, like David, like you mentioned, that David Tubb said he's got an attachment with a chronograph so that when he sees a shot hit at distance, he looks at the speed and he says, is that shot low because the velocity was low? Right. Or was it because I did something and you make those educated decisions rather than, oh, the shot was low, let me correct it, and then you go high because it happened to be a slow shot, and then it happened to be a fast shot. You don't know that, but these devices are now starting to bridge that gap where a shooter can be more informed and then make more educated shots on a shot-by-shot basis. And, and I think that, man, how, how cool is it when technology actually helps the shooter instead of just says, spend a lot of money, but it's not going to change anything. Right, so basically we tell everybody, believe the bullet. Hey, man, you got to believe the bullet, right? Believe the bullet. Well, what happens if the bullet is lying to you? Muzzle velocity, we don't know until we shoot it. And by the time you shoot it, it's technically too late, right? So that's what he's doing, and that's what they're looking at. Where I mean, in, in a good world or a perfect world, you can shoot a match and put the bullet seeker on and record, you know, stages, your velocity and stages as a match and try to figure out, are you seeing something weird? Is the pressure in your shoulder because you're backing off, bleeding off muzzle velocity? So you think you're a 2750, but you're you're so light in your shoulder pressure 
you're a, a 2705. You know, something weird because you're bleeding off some of that muzzle velocity because you're not supporting the shot. So there's all these different things that you can learn. And, and you know, like I said, Tub and the ELR guys, they want to know, do I, do I adjust off that shot or not? And that's how they're being, that's how they're able to tell. Right, right. And you would, you would, you would have a, you'd have to have more than just that data, but that would be, I mean, that's a, a fund. If you're going to make an informed correction, that's a fundamental piece of data that you need to know. And you only know it if you have like a, a, a big data book or a log or something like this on the rifle that then you could reference and say, holy crap, that shot was 30 feet per second slower. And at a thousand yards, I was low. Maybe it wasn't me. And, but otherwise you're just making a wild ass guess and that doesn't help you grow as a shooter. But um, the other thing that I think is interesting, I, I brought some of these tools. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this is a spotting scope, but it's got an arcer at the bottom, so you could put it on uh, a tripod. The wrong mount. I can't get no, the, this one goes up here. No, that's not the right one. Oh. That's the bullet seeker. This is what I replaced the bullet seeker with. I'm gonna get the uh, the really right stuff one. It's on top of the. Okay. The but, but you know, for for some of you, it's preaching to the choir, and it's it's total common sense. But we, you know, people have been going towards in the competition world. And some of the hunting world, rather than some of these rails, um, you know, the the Picatinny rails and 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 some of the other rails that were a little bit more like I I just personally call them a little bit more classic rail systems. They're now going towards things that came out of the camera world, and the Arca rail is one that has been growing in popularity. And you know, there's some advantages and there's some disadvantages, and and it's continuing to grow. But the Arca rail is is something that a competition shooter and people that are involved with the kind of the latest and greatest technology they're going to be exposed to this. But rails like this are more familiar to people that maybe you know f- four or five years ago or earlier they're 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 more comfortable with rail systems like this. And in fact, we still mount scopes to rail systems like this. And having all of these attachment styles and things. Um, allows us to add stuff to our rifle systems. And I thought it might be fun to talk yeah, so about. This This is the SC Duo from Really Right Stuff. And what it is is it has a pick on the bottom and then the Arca pick on the top. And you would use it to co-witness and mount uh, your laser range finders and stuff. And I put my, I have a laser right behind you. Yep. Uh, here we can even brought it all in. And so I think it's cool because in the firearms industry as a whole, you see lots of things that I just refer to as bells and whistles. And some of those bells and whistles are awesome. And I want them. Some of them I can't afford, but I still want. But sometimes it adds so much to your rifle that then it becomes very difficult to use it in the time and and function context that you have it. Now, if you just want it because it looks good, then that's totally awesome. Or you have plenty of disposable income and you want to put a a Terrapin on a spotter on a rifle with another laser. And, you know, so, but this is really awesome because you can now have a spotter with a rangefinder that are co-witnessed and attached to each other in a secure manner. And there's a lot of benefit to a system like this. And it, and it becomes modular because of these different attachment styles. And the nice thing too, is like on a, um, on a tack table, if you have a tack table or something that has a pick rail on it, that duo works for on the side too. So you're always putting something on the side of the tack table. And I think that SC duo works really well as I, I checked it here on a telephone pole. You can, you can aim it a little bit, but it's within the field of view, especially on that Bushnell spotter. I have the uh, LMSS here and it has that rail on top. If I put the really right stuff, SC duo on it, put my Vectronics on top of that, 
I can have them where they're in the same field of view. Now, they're not perfect, but you're not going to be hunting to get the shot. You're going to be able to really minor manipulation and get the target with the spotting scope. Which is, I mean, I, you know, that gives you so much power in the field. And, of course, the, the time element, you've got to think about the application. But being able to put a tack table like this with the Arca rail, slide it onto your tripod, because a lot of the tripods that are fast and adjustable have the, the really right stuff, ball heads and, and so on. So you put this on there, you could shoot off of it, but having the pick rail on the side allows attachment of a rangefinder. And, in fact, with that rangefinder there and a bag on it, you wouldn't have to remove it to shoot and to maneuver and to put other things like binoculars. So you become kind of empowered if you have the time, right? We're not talking about get a shot off in six seconds, but rather than getting all this stuff out of your pouch, your pack, your you know, or your belt, you know, you've got it fixed to something that you've trained with, and now you've regained the time element in in that context. And so, you know, I thought it'd be fun to talk about the things that we're attaching how people are coming up with better attachments so that they're secure. Because when you think, like, you know, why why did people bed actions in stocks in the past? And, and um, you know, what did that do? And now people are coming up with attachments. And at what point are they going to start betting those because of the precision required? Yeah, I mean, well, you got guys who bed bases and rings mm. and things. I mean, in the past... I mean, that was one of the, something you paid a gunsmith for. He was betting everything and he was fitting everything to your rifle. So the base was custom fit to your action. And then that was betted. He was working on your rings and doing stuff with your rings, lapping them and this and that. So you, that was a custom gunsmith at the time. Now today we're barreled actions. We're chassis. We're not betting. We're just dropping stuff in switch barrel. You get a pre-fit, you, you loosen a screw, you put it on. So we're assemblers now at home versus, you know, full-blown gunsmiths uh, like we did in the past. Mm -hmm. So and I, I, I think I think that's pretty cool. Um, I'm trying to minimize like the exposure because if we put a video on YouTube or something like that, I don't want them to flag it. But one of the one of the things I want to just show about the Arca rail that that allows at least competitors to have some modularity. In the, in the. I think this is the sexiest rifle. He, 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 he's going into the rifle closet. Um, you know, here we've got uh, an attachment and it's fixed. Uh, and you got a bipod that's fixed here. Now, having this fixed bipod makes it reliable, consistent, and it would be set to you. So that my guess is this is set to Frank because it's Frank's rifle. So that when he gets behind it, he can manipulate his bipod's problem is, if I'm taller or with a longer reach, I might feel more comfortable with it further or closer. And being and having to maneuver that, I've got to I've got to release this and adjust it myself. And so, um, when it comes to precision and reliability and tuning that to the shooter, you know this system is great if it's your rifle and it's standalone and it's fixed in place. But adjusting it fast in the field, you're going to lose time and the time lost is simply just being able to detach it and move it. So the, the, um, it's grabbing a different rifle for you guys. Uh, sorry for the podcast people. We're going visual cause we're live, but yeah. you can, you can get an idea of what we're doing, but what we're, yeah, they're, they're, you, these videos for the guys listening to the everyday sniper, um, you can go into the hide TV. They get archived. You can watch them when they're not live. So you can go back and watch this. Mm -hmm. So here's another rifle. 
And this one has a, a Arca rail that's been fit to it. This is a JP. Uh, this is a JP, and so they've got the curved bottom, the the circular handguard, and so there's uh, rails that are fit to to mount up here flush. The thing is, this is a full length Arca rail, and so let's say I was in the field or Frank's in the field, and there are inconsistencies in the ground. It makes it very easy to reach up. And now I've got it where I need it. And if I if I want it further out, let's say there's a gap in a rock and I'm going to put it uh, up here, I can just simply move that. And I've got that very fast adjustment that's secure. Okay. And since then, they've put recesses in here to keep it from loosening and sliding because that was happening on some rifles. But I do think the, one of the advantage of the Arca systems is that rather than taking... How long? I mean, it would probably take 30 seconds to take off a pick rail and move it, but... Well, even just finding the slot right, because sometimes yeah. the, the cross bolt is turned, and, and it's like, where's the slot? God dang it. So we're talking about very fast adjustments, but on the other hand, if if we're in the field and Frank says, you know, I need more height, well, he could he could extend the... This, this is the um, Thunder Beast bipods, which I think are really nice for field shooting, Right, we can make them longer, but another trick to to gain more height without having to do that is to pull it closer. Right now, I understand that that it changes the distance between the back and the front, but it is a quick way to gain height, and you can do this in fractions of a second versus maybe thirty. So, so, so it's, you know, I think in terms of percentage, if you're thinking about speed, the Arca rail has made things very easy to adjust, which I think is 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 a cool jump forward. It's maybe not like as well, even the chassis side, they, they because they can cut them right into the chassis, like the MDTs in, in the MPAs, you don't need an extra rail. It's built right into your system. So that becomes very easy, very efficient. It doesn't have a front, back, left, right. It's the same on both sides, so you can come in square and then tighten down and slide it like Chris is saying. Where the old days when we were using the Manfrotto's with the RC clamps, you had to go front in and clamp back, you know? So it's just a different way of doing it that makes it more efficient, holds better, and at the same time is is a universal solution. Right, right. And then we go further back, mm-hmm. you know, you got the yeah, that's, that's an Yeah, he has the original Headhunter. That was the first sniper's hide rifle right there. Well, I don't know which model. Uh, this one is... Um, Number 50, 39. Uh, this is 39 out of 50. Wow. And I have uh, three. I, I used to get three in the 30s because of the combo, but this is a headhunter. This is sexy. Man, I like these classic looks. But you can see that, you know, it wasn't too long ago where, and, and in fact, if people are watching this who are hunters and they're not competitors, a lot of people still have these swivel stud mounts. And if you go get a Harris, I think they come standard with mounts that you attach to, to, to these swivels or you could put a sling on it or something like that. But you could see that, you know, if you had a bipod and you had to stick it on this really fast, mm-hmm. really fast is relative. Yeah, yeah, that ain't happening, <laughs> right. right? I mean, it's an old A5 like, stock. It it's got a flush cup in the middle, kind of back, and then it's got a sling stud up front. It's old. It's an original A5 stock. Yeah, which is awesome. But yeah. you could see that that... You know, clearly shooters needed something, and that innovation, the the curve, got very steep. That we need this. Okay, now we got a rail, and now instead of rails, now we got uh, 
uh, these mounts that slide. And I, I think that's pretty cool to be able to see that trend of speed and efficiency mm -hmm. and then modularity. But the going back to like the modular devices like the um, bullet, seeker, the bullet seeker, now we're talking about really empowering the shooter with knowledge and not just you know, it's not just speed convenience, yeah, but it's now it's like bang something that you don't need. I mean, we talk about like, I, I don't really, unless you're reloading, I don't advocate that you need a, um, that you need a, a chronograph, but if you have the means and you have all that stuff available, well then, yeah, you want a chronograph, but you want one that's not bulky. That's not big. Like I like the magneto speed better. What the hell is this? Um, Oh, I'm getting blown up by Roberts. Uh, here, we should to... <laughs> Holy cow, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> but but then, you know, you get other things like... Um, uh, there's some rings here. I'm just kind of like looking around because when, when you come to Frank's, it's like firearm everything, right? So so this should look familiar. This is a, a set of, of, of scope rings, right? Go. And the scope rings, you can stick on, you can adjust them. People would lap them and do all sorts of stuff. But then, you know, there, but, but, you know, there, there are some issues with that. But so they came up with one piece mounts, and these one piece mounts, like like this spur mount, now have attachment points where you can put laser range finders, um, you know, illuminator units. You can put other devices onto your optic to make them modular, and then the one piece mounts make them easy to remove, detach, and remove without having to. Um, you know, make adjustments. Now, I'm not saying that one is better than the other, but they definitely, because here are some some single-piece rings that have attachments for other things. For example, I put a level that was made for these uh, right off the side of it, and you can put, um, you know, cant indicators, and uh, you can put other mounts. You can put pick rail mounts if you want to put, like, a range finder on it and, and, and other things. You could probably put the bu bullet seeker off of this if, if you were creative with how you had mounts. But, um, you know, th those kind of innovations, like, are they useful? Are they bells and whistles? Yeah, but but you know what your application is. And I think that that's pretty neat um, when you think about, uh, you know, the ease at which people are producing really high-end high end stuff. But my question is usually, well, what, what does it add for the shooter that's a benefit versus just something... Like school. going way over that, like spending the money. I will on mean, all of these attachments. Well, but I mean, a good example, like talk. I don't. Well, I don't know. I mean, the attachments. I'm going slimmer now, but it's nice to have this stuff. So I like the new Seekins. I don't have one up here. I don't think it's downstairs. But the the spur, the Seekins, the attachments do make it worthwhile. I mean, just think of like the send it level that people use. I would rather see people run ascend it level and run it alongside and do that. And I think the Spurs and the Seekins do those things really well. Now, my problem is, and I mention this a lot, is if you're going to hang things on something, you have to manage it. So if you take a level that's a scope tube level and you, you, you have to make sure it's always right. And then the uh, same thing like with a spur. If you're going to mount a level on a spur that way, you have to make sure you can aim it. The Seekins has adjustments to actually uh, adjust the level. Mm -hmm. So you hard mount the level, and then you adjust it to be level on the mount. 
because those vials are not always right. Those wrappers are not always right. I, I, I make a joke all the time. I have a video of one of the Wheeler leveling tools from uh, Amazon for your, your scope. And the guy has a pick rail with five levels in the kit that they gave him, and none of them match. So he has them all lined up on that pick rail, and they're all different because the wrappers are off. You know, so that becomes an issue, and, and yeah. Right, right, right. So now that you can attach all this stuff, what, you know, what are the pros and cons, and what are the things to look out for? Well, I think that's a perfect example. If, you know, if, and, and I, I, you know, I, I Frank and I kind of, we agree on a lot of things, and we disagree on a lot of things, and we come close, but we always talk about everything, and, and usually we end up realizing that we're talking about different contexts, but... Um, if you're going to take the time to put a level on your scope, whether it's useful or not, you better make sure that it's level. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're referring to something that's not only like giving you misleading information, but it's going to throw you off target to begin with. And I'm like amazed people don't realize the level can be wrong. Right. Like I'm like blown away by like, dude, is that level right? Because your shit's off. Right, and, right. It, and it's like, oh, I aimed it. But then they threw it in their bag. They threw it in the car. They knocked it off. It's like, that ain't right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those are the people that grab their phone and they're like, dude, Frank, I got a cousin in Africa. Yeah. And if I give them a thousand bucks, I just won $500 million. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Like, uh, I think, you know, but so, so, you know, yeah, now we have access to more and more and more stuff, but what are you doing with it? And, and, and then how much can you trust it? And not only... Do you trust it? But what do you know? Do you know what you're doing with it? And granted, we all, you know, personally, you know, I feel like I'll never stop learning to better improve my understanding of, of not only shooting and the fundamentals, ballistics and the numbers, but, you know, every time I get a new device, like the, like the anti-scan or the bullet seeker or um, what else? Uh, and and you know what? They're, they, they changed the bullet seeker. So I just, that's what Roberts is blowing me up. Me and Chris are both getting friggin' blown up because Roberts just realized with the bullet seeker and the new speed tracker, uh, long shot cameras is running these things and guys are having bad luck with some of them. I don't know how they set up mine. Like I said, I bought mine sight unseen, kind of got it from Czech Republic, really weird situation when I bought it, but I was, I was early adopter. And mine works, and I've been doing it with the TRG, and I just put it right on that 45 of the TRG, came right up. Um, and, and so, yeah, uh, it, it's it's like, I don't know, man. I'm just, I this works for me. It's not working for other people, so it's really hard to recommend stuff like this, especially in the electronics world. It's like, what do you do? Like, I like this. Mine works. Now the bullet seekers, the speed tracker, guys are complaining they're not getting the readings. I don't know what to tell you. Right, right. And the Andy scan, uh, you probably won't even be able to see this, but I'll hold this up. I've got a post on Instagram, right? It just fits in the palm of your hand and yeah, stuff. The, and the Andy scan looks like a little mini lab radar. The mm. only thing I, I didn't like the interface, but I mean, I guess it's all good and it's all relative. Yeah, I mean, the idea that that Bluetooth to your phone and that you could have that, you know, I mean, it, it or or you have to look up on the interface and you have to see each shot. Of course, as my eyes get worse, being able to focus on that is difficult. But the idea that you could just simply have data from every bullet rather than a subset of bullets, and then you can track the conditions. For example, like, you know, or, or you talk a lot about the 
shot timer from MDT. Mm-hmm. And if we could, or and then the wind devices that we have. Yeah, um, the wind meters, the wind zones, yep. So if, if you sync all that and you sync it with your chronograph, you could say, here's where this shot went and look at all that data. And it's not just, um, you know, now there's devices like people are using that are accelerometers that say, okay, this is what your rifle did. But, you know, I think, well, you, know, I mean, you know, the external data. So when we shoot, we could say, okay, what was the speed of the bullet? What was the wind doing on these devices? What uh, with the shot timer when this happened? Can we review footage? And you know, you could be like, "Oh, look, he just flicked the he just flicked his trigger." Just I mean, yeah, we're in a golden age of like learning and data. If you think about it, you can put a mantis on your mm-hmm. gun, track with yeah. And I don't know how your phone would like work with all these different things talking, but we're so communicative. Like mm-hmm. everything communicates, so. I'm going to put a wind meter out, and I'm going to track the wind meters with the wind things. We have those ultrasonic wind meters. Those are downrange, and they're logging the wind. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to put a bullet seeker on, and I'm going to log my muzzle velocity while I'm shooting that shot while I'm logging the wind. Well, then I'm going to put a mantis on, and I'm going to track my trigger press and see my fundamental movement using a mantis. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you really can if you wanted to and you were that guy. You can break all this down and say, here's how I executed that shot, and this is the information it's telling me. Now, I personally think if you get to that point with the fundamentals, you do your dry practice, you you learn it, your trigger control should be a given, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that. But a mantis can get you there, you know, ahead of time. So it's something to think about and, and something – that is is doable so i'm i know yeah and here's the interface i don't it's not connected to the device but the wind zero that we've been testing we got four yeah. units and we can put them out there and it sends you know not only the wind velocity but the direction of the device so you can have we can have them on at the shooter's location at 100 yards at 600 yards and 1200 yards and and in that shot be able to say well yeah, and he just updated it with a lot more info he just did an update that's got like extra as for like your wind call is supposed to be, you know, 0.6. Well, now the wind calls 0. 0.8, 0. 0.4, 0. 0.6, 0. 0.8, 0. 0.4, and it's going to move and tell you this is your hold, you know. But there's there's been an update uh, in the last three months, uh, and it's a nice little improvement. Yeah, I think, and, and it'll it'll put multiple devices on the same reading, readout, printout, and then you know if you had the time of your shot, you would have simultaneous data points for wind. So that you could track that back. And then if you looked at the velocity of your bullet, you'd be able to know, like, was it wind, you know, or was it, I mean, the wind's going to be left to right and the velocity is likely going to be up down, but, but you could really kind of try to pinpoint, like, where did that flaw come from? And if it was neither, well, that's probably the shooter, right? Or you go back to 100 yards and say, shoot a couple rounds from this position. And if it's, you know, big group. Then no, but I, I mean, I, I kind of think this is like a gadget discussion, you know, because we're talking about how we're using these gadgets and the different things that like Chris and I and others are using these things for and and what is going on with it. Like I said, now with the rapid advancement of technology, it's really hard to say, put your money here and do that. Like I'm really sketchy today to give anybody advice. All I could say is, hey man, I'm using this. I bought it then. It's working well for me because Lately, it seems like people are, I don't like that. It doesn't work for me. And I'm like, sorry, dude. I don't know what to tell you. And right. you hate to spend people's money. 
Oh, for sure. And then not have something work out the way they wanted it to. Yeah. I mean, I've been super vocal on my podcast about my distrust of the sync between my Kestrel and my binoculars and my and a, and a watch at a competition. Like, I think it would be awesome to train with and do that. But I've, as an RO at Hunter Matches, you know, it, it might not happen to one of you and it might not happen to, but you see two or three shooters out of those, you know, however many 150 shooters, two or three shooters come up to your stage and they shot the data from yeah. the stage before, or it didn't sync and they, they, they ranged it, 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 it fixed on a previous range and then they, it, or, or it stopped Bluetoothing between those three devices. And, and I, and, and I think it's, it's awesome what they can do and it's incredible what it implies but on the clock, are you sharp enough to be able to tell whether, you know, that looks like 500 yards. This says it's 500 yards. You know, is my dope, you know, 2.5-ish? Um, you know, I don't well, know. I, I had right. that happen to me, and I knew, like, I, the, the first of Vectronics at Terrapin X, when it came out, the very first one, there was a update, firmware update or whatever, but I ran up to a stage and it was like a 435-yard target. I hit it with the Terrapin, 430. I rolled my arm, or uh, I pulled up my Kestrel, rather, because it was communicating with the Kestrel. I pulled up the Kestrel, and it said .07. And I went, .07 for 400 yards? Yeah, right. And I threw yeah. it over my shoulder because it was right. around my neck. I flipped my arm bar to that 430, you know, and got my number, like 1.8 or something. But I knew, but what it did is there was a hiccup in the communication. Mm -hmm. It put a negative 65 degree angle into the Kestrel. Mm -hmm. That's two menus in. <laughs> and so you, you can't do that on the fly. But they right. fixed that immediately. But yeah, there's that stuff like that that can happen. And you never want to see like communication errors, Bluetooths, and different things. So uh, it, it's, it's an interesting play of technology and how we're using it. And then the question is, how do we back it up? Mm -hmm. You know, are you backing up that technology? Do you know enough about your rifle system, your dope and your data? Like Chris says, if it screws up, you can, um, you, uh, you can see that and know to fix it. Right. Right. So, you know, it, it I've mentioned it in the, in the past and it's not exactly the same thing, but there was a hunter match up in Wyoming and Colin Fossen runs it. It's really cool. This year he's hosting the finale for the hunter match, which he'll, he'll do the best job ever. He's, you know, experienced and awesome, but I was at his match and I dropped my uh, binoculars, my range finders and they, there's limestone up there and it hit the center of the glass and chipped it. And it was just a chip. And I thought, okay, cool. You know, I just held it up and I made sure that the, you know, everything was working great. I went to the stage and I well, couldn't laser now because it's I'm, in front of you them. know it's just it's just beeping while I'm on the clock. What am I gonna do? You know, I I literally spent you know of the four minutes, three minutes being like something's wrong with my binoculars. Mm -hmm. And and Zach was the RO from Thunder Beast. Yeah, and he's like, what are you doing? Like he knows I'm a shooter. He yeah, you yeah. know, and I'm like, I can't get a range. And it's like it's a pretty big target. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't get a range. I can't get a range. So I just grab my rifle and I'm like, well, screw it. You know, it looks over 300 yards. So I just like, I, you know, I held up like two mils, right? So 300 yards is going to be one mil. But if it's past that, I'm like, man, it's a pretty tall target. I'm just going to hold two mils and shoot. It hit the dirt, corrected, impact. <laughs> and then I transferred, you know, saw the hit at the dirt, corrected, impact, you know, and then I timed out, but I, I didn't get a zero. So then from that point forward, I couldn't get ranges. So I finished the hunter match. It was like five stages 
ranging by fire, Mm -hmm. just kind of knowing like, okay, I'm going to subtract, you know, 2.7 from, you know, like, oh, that looks like 600 yards. You know, I'm going to hold, you know, three and a half mils or something like that. And, and then if I'm close, I'll try to correct rather than get a zero. Now, now like that, that's a failure in technology because I broke it. But if, if you could, if you could, I mean, you don't know the size of the targets, but, but if you have a backup way of saying, what am I going to do when technology fails? But you also have to know that the technology failed Mm -hmm. and then, um, well, and, um, yeah, I mean, (laughs) that's, that's what I was saying. You have to know your data to know when it lets you down to be able to correct it. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have that backup in your head to say that's not a correct number. And what's scarier is the things that you mentioned. It's giving you data. Yeah. But where is it broken? But but you don't, you know, you recognize that's, that can't be right, right? Like mm-hmm. 0.07 is like 120 yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And you're like, that's not 120 yards. Um, but when people are like, you know, gosh, I was just missing like crazy. And, and they're like, what is the range of that? You know, I, I had like 350 yards. You're like, no, man, it was like 600 something. Yeah. yeah. Like, what? No, here, look. It says 300. And, and then they're like. That was my last stage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then they're like, oh, my God, they stopped sinking. (laughs) And then and it's like, well, can I shoot it again? Well, no, but. um, Good luck with that. Yeah, trying to. And uh, just to FYI, if anybody out there is in the VA system or in the .gov, like the Veterans Canteen, like the Veterans PX, they have the Garmin, um, the Delta tactic, the, uh, the Delta with AB in it for a thousand bucks it's like five hundred dollars off oh wow so if Shit, you're that's if, awesome yeah if you're in that veterans canteen service vcs or whatever you can get the garmin with the ab it's not the latest greatest it's the one model back but it's like five hundred dollar discount on on that and and they work really good i use them i run the garmins with ab that kind of i told people i'd fell back in love with ab because the watch and the garments and everything. I just love it. And there's actually a new four treks out. They just came out with a nine Oh three or something even bigger for the military guys, the bigger, better GPS four treks. It's a big, crazy one. Now I want one of those watches. And so I, you know, I say I'm critical of it, but I want it too. but it's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. For something that, that I probably wouldn't use it in competition right away until I really had that faith or, I got my system to the point where I could make sure that that looked right for my experience. And, and, and like, you know, you see something, you're like, fuck no. And you shoot, but mm-hmm. I see something. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. And, you know, it might take me 30 seconds to be like, okay, now I have a plan. And so, you know, you, you need to have that experience to be able to recognize it, but hell yeah. Like I, I've been waiting to get one of those garments ever, ever since I saw them start to fail. I'm like, dude, that is really cool. But, they need to, you know, we need to figure out more improvements to make it more, more functional. Yeah. I'm like, I've, I've done gunsight ELR and I ran my Garmin and it, it was right on spot on. I ran, when I did the AI gunsight ELR with uh Beckstrand and snow, I ran the Hornaday, uh, Kestrel, the AB Kestrel and my Garmin all at the same time. And I was looking and then I noticed how the Hornaday was starting to deviate at like 1800 yards. It was different. And, and the further out we went from there, the more it deviated. But then the AB hung strong. And, you know, my Garmin was just spot on the entire time where, you know, by the last day, it was just hit it with the laser, flip my wrist, and see what the Garmin said and go. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and, and that's really how we should be doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, right. tap it, look at your wrist, and shoot. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of those team matches, especially the guys that have come out of like the, um, you know, not, now they're not um, with those schools anymore, I think, but you can see some of the guys that are successful uh, in team matches, um, you know, and they've got their laser range finders co-witnessed on their rifle system. So they're spotting with their scopes and ranging and then they don't have to get off. They can just hit their dope and go. So there's not, there's not other references. So your eyes are focused on the target and you're able to do that. But those units are very expensive. And, you know, some of those, some of those are $14,000 units that you're putting on top of your, your optic and, and that, that outprices a lot of people, but the guys coming out of, you know, that career field, you know, obviously they've invested in that good equipment and it works pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it, it's definitely, there's there's so many changes, so much technology, so many gadgets. It, it's one thing to go out and say, buy the latest and greatest. Another thing to say, how are you going to use it? So those are the questions are, what's your need? What are you looking to do? Do you want to be more efficient? Do you want to have more information? You know, those are the, the what these tools are supposed to be providing. They're either providing efficiency or information, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and so that's, that's kind of where we are. So make sure you're not tripling up on something you may not have to. I mean, you, at one point, like in the SIG infrastructure, the Kestrel infrastructure, they, they sort of streamlined it. But in the beginning, you were seeing like the AB, you were buying, like you had AB on your phone and then you bought a Kestrel with AB in it. Then you bought a Garmin that had AB in it. And then you bought a SIG, and it was everywhere. And it was like, man, why am I buying so many things with AB? You know, but then you realize as it works across the platform, well, if I have AB in all my stuff, well, then that's what I work with. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was, it was, guys were going, well, you know, do I need a Kestrel now if it's in the laser? And do I need it here if it's in my watch? And do I need it, there? you know, so we ended up with a lot of redundancy. I mean, even with bags. Right. Redundancy in bags, redundancy in electronics, redundancy in software. So you just got to be careful and go out there and not just spend money needlessly, you know, figure out what mission you're trying to solve. Exactly. Like, is it going to fix what you think it's going to fix? Because, you know, and you see that with brakes too, like brakes and tuners, like, you know, you could spend a lot of money really quick and their problem had nothing to do with brakes and tuners. Right. It had to do with something else right like a bad barrel or they didn't know how to hand load or they had bad fundamentals and, and that's not going to fix those things and and um knowing what the fix is and how it's going to be how it's going to be solved and it's really easy to give a good shooter something and say look he uses it it must work but the, the problem is you know, they're already good yeah they can make almost anything work is it going to solve your problems i don't i don't know well, and it's just, it's the guy who's who's working the clock and, and doing that repetitions and he's trying to get, you know, he's getting his barricades dime down to the 30, 40 seconds. He, he's working that mechanics. I, I tell people in class all the time, like, you need to learn your manual of arms. <laughs> you don't understand your rifle system. You don't know where your controls are. And so for some people, it's like, hey, man, your biggest problem is your confidence behind that rifle. And, and that's where, you know, for us, it was drill field and, you know, re-cleaning them and doing all that stuff. Right, right, right. Yeah, like how often do you see somebody with an expensive rifle and they get behind it and then they shoot and then they look up to see if they could see the impact. Mm-hmm. They go, I didn't see it. Should I get a heavier bullet? You're like, dude, 
bro, you can't see that from a thousand yards away. Yeah. Like, keep your eye through the scope, and you might see something. It has nothing to do with your bullet till you can actually keep your face on the right, rifle instead right. of looking up over it. Like, all right, cool. Let's talk about buying stuff after you can keep your face through the scope. Well, and, and, and it's you tell somebody to come up to shoot a stage, and, and they're, they're 60 seconds in, and they haven't fired their first shot yet. Exactly. You know, and that's that becomes those are the things where you have to be honest with yourself. You have to say this is where I need to work on. And that's kind of what Chris and I are trying to do is to give you that push to give you those tools to say, be honest with yourself. Be realistic. Look at where you want to go with your shooting and then decide what tools you need to help you with that journey. Right. And, and, and often like you see memes and you hear stuff or Frank and I kind of say similar things. I think Kalen and Phil say the same thing. Chris, I mean, anybody that teaches is saying the same thing. You can hear it at rifles only. Odds are you take a class, you're going to leave better because they're going to like give you knowledge that you can carry away from. You know, usually you can't substitute knowledge with equipment. You know, or, or at first you might be able to make a little bit of a jump, but, 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 but that knowledge carries over. And sometimes it's going to somebody with experience to say, I don't think that's it. Let's focus on this first. You end up saving a lot of money. You get squared away. You get good fundamentals. You get a good shot process. And now you can diagnose those other things easier yourself. But, but you know, what, where's your time and money going to be invested, right? It's, you know, probably not gadgets. Right, right. And, and, but, but once you're good enough, then you'll know what gadgets you need. Yeah. I was going to say, we are a retail thing. People do try to buy a hit all the time, you know? So there is such a thing as buying a hit. Yeah. And you know, shit, one hit can sometimes move you multiple spots. So. <laughs> right. And, and there's not necessarily anything wrong with buying a hit. You buy a hit as far as you can until you can't buy another one. And then that's where you have to work on yourself to get that next hit. Right, you know, right, right, right. But if you want to buy twenty hits, like man, something big has to change. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. And 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 usually it requires changing, you know, the the person themselves, right? Because because you are the result of all the things you do right now. So if you're getting these results and you don't change, you're gonna stay exactly the same. Cool. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna end out of the Everyday Sniper podcast. Uh, Chris got to get going pretty soon. But uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of the Everyday Sniper podcast. The video side for the live streams, they're in the Sniper's Hide uh, forum. Go to Hide TV and they archive these videos and you can access them and watch them. But thanks, everybody, for the Everyday Sniper side. Bum, bum.